Hello everyone, welcome to my show Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian leaders, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives and innovators who provide candid insights from their personal journey to inspire you. And this is your host Priyanka Kumla and I'm super excited to join you on our 93rd episode of the Career Startup Leadership Podcast. Well, you know the deal as we continue to ace our 100th episode, do follow me Priyanka Kumla and the Career Startup Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn. to receive your linkedin live notifications on some amazing episodes that we have lined up we're also on youtube so if you're watching this on youtube do give us a subscribe and like to help us understand how this podcast is helping you become a better version of yourself with that i have my special guest who's joining us from new jersey on the east coast of united states we have meeta malik who is an inclusion thought leader on our show super honored meeta to have you on the show priyanka thank you so much for having me i'm excited about our conversation today Thank you. And Meeta is someone I've really admired. She's an amazing and inspiring woman who has helped others find their voices. She's a corporate change maker with a track record of transforming businesses and culture. I see her as a passionate storyteller who believes in the power of diversity to spark creative strategic thinking which can ultimately transform brands. Meeta currently serves as the head of inclusion, equity and impact at Qatar. She's also a columnist for Sway and a cont- contributor for Entrepreneur, Working Mother, so you'll find her writings all over the place. Well, the best part about all is she was recognized as the LinkedIn's top voice for 2020. So I'm super honored to have you on the show Meeta, and the best part of all is I want to talk to you about how do you be an inclusive leader? You've done this successfully through your prolific career, so I'm going to dig deep into the secrets to help us better understand the real Meeta. Awesome. Well, thank you for that kind introduction. Awesome. So Meeta, let's get started with inclusion. You know, this is a buzzword that we hear a lot especially in the corporate setting with things happening in America. But how do you define inclusion? It's a great question. Inclusion for me, it's an intentional act. It has to be. And what does that mean? It's about being empathetic, supportive, kind. It's about championing and celebrating all of our unique identities, differences, life experiences, what we bring to what we now say is the virtual table. And what I like to think about is, well, isn't it easy to be inclusive if my entire team acts like me, thinks like me, looks like me? It's easy to say you're an inclusive leader then. So I often think about that too in terms of as a leader, you know, how open am I to hearing a different point of view or how open am I to being challenged? or how open am i to being um you know disagreement which i do think in our country right now is something that's lacking a lot of is that how can you disagree with someone and still love and respect that person you know that's very true meter and for me i want to understand your childhood because there must be something in your childhood that shaped your thinking about creating this environment where you create a very inclusive feeling you know and be an inclusive champion so tell us a little bit more about your childhood So I'm the proud daughter of Indian immigrant parents. My younger brother and I were raised outside of Boston and I was we were three families of color growing up and I was the funny-looking dark-skinned girl with a long funny-looking braid whose parents had funny-looking um spoke with a funny-looking funny-sounding accent. We drove a funny-looking minivan which played funny-looking music um and until it wasn't funny anymore. and that's really the the dark side of bullying and i was bullied quite heavily both verbally and physically growing up 
And one of the moments that has been really defining for me in my life was being in my uh, freshman year, ninth grade, intro to physical science class, which I was so excited about. And in that lab portion of the class, the two white boys who had been bullying me over the course of the year and that had continued to escalate from name calling to having things thrown at me, decided to set my hair on fire that day in lab class. And they were behind me lighting matches and uh, throwing my hair and set my hair on fire. And uh, my hair of course is okay today, but the damage and the psyche you feel, the damage that happens to your psyche and how that can rock your confidence and sense of self is something I hope no one else has to go through. And I know others have been through that. And that was actually the first day, Priyanka, that someone showed up for me in a meaningful way to be an advocate for me. And that was the guidance counselor. The boys were suspended for only a day. And the guidance counselor was also the track coach at the time and recognized, uh, I'm very clumsy, but I can run fast. And he recognized that and got me into track and cross country. And that was a real equalizer for me in sports and running since then has been an equalizer because suddenly when I was running and I was very good at it, I was seen as an equal on the field. And so when I think about those experiences now, Priyanka, of being bullied, you know, it's sort of like when you have ex-boyfriends or girlfriends or partners in your life that you might Google and see what they're up to. And I used to do that with some of the bullies in my life. And I think the anger was misplaced because I should really be asking where were the teachers? Where were their parents? Where was the community who could have stood up for me and been an advocate for me? And that's the same thing that's happening in our organizations today. And so that is really, I don't ever want anyone to feel like they don't belong either at home, in their community, in their workspace, workspaces, workplaces, because I've experienced that firsthand. And I can only imagine how psychologically damaging such experiences, unpleasant experiences at such a young age could be, because you're in a very tender state of mind, right? Where you wouldn't have the maturity to really understand why you've been treated differently. But you bring up a very good point, Nita. It's, you know, at that point, you had to prove yourself as an equal. And, you know, that's one of the, uh, the pain points of us, you know, as not just women, but just people of color Absolutely. who have to retrade every time that we have our own accomplishments and, you know, we deserve the treatment, uh, you know, uh, the basic respect and the values that we all have to imbibe is something that's always a challenge for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really admire the fact that given your experiences, you've really channeled all of that into helping others find your voice in this process. So tell us a little bit more about how did you find your voice? How did you get that courage to speak up when people didn't step up for you? Well, now that I've shared with you part of my story and what I would encourage anyone listening is we all have stories and they're all being written and rewritten constantly. And last year, of course, was a big year for many of our stories being rewritten as we all lived and continue to live during a global pandemic. And sometimes it's hard to share parts of your stories because you're still healing and you're still not accepting that that is part of who you are in your story. And so I very openly share parts of my life now because I think it not only heals me, but it's empowering for others to know that they're not alone. And so now that you know my story, you will understand when I tell you that I was painfully shy and that is different than being introverted. I was painfully shy. I had trouble making eye contact. I know people don't believe this. Only my brother and my mother who, who saw me growing up through this will believe me. Um, but you know, it's practice to find your voice, right? Because for so long, I let others identify the value that I had. 
I let them identify what was powerful about me or not powerful about me. And I let them take my voice away. And so I think there's something really empowering to take your voice back. And so it started with, I mean, I was just um, on Fishbowl yesterday, which I discovered, which is an amazing audio platform. And I was speaking to women about imposter syndrome. And it is, it is about practice and finding your voice. So it means if you get invited to a podcast like today, have the courage to come do it. It is about showing up for meetings prepared to ask questions. And I always say, my big tip is be the first one to speak and the first one to ask the question, because even now as a leader, I get I get anxious. But if I do it once, I know I'll keep doing it. So honestly, a lot of it is practice. And that's a great tip. Speaking first, yes. that helps you control your jitters and you don't have this feeling that somebody else is going to speak up and say what you were intending to speak. And that shuts you down completely for the rest of the meeting. Absolutely. And there's always a lull, especially in the Zoom world now, right? Everyone gets on you look through a presentation or somebody shared something and they ask, okay, any questions? Let's have a discussion. And there's always like a pause. And that's the moment when there's the pause, speak up, do it then. And it will become so much easier through the rest of the meeting. And once you start getting into that, as I have that practice, it's the journey to continue using your voice. That's very true. So let's talk about being an advocate in the workplace for others, especially Asians, women of color, what are you doing personally to shift that dynamic? I say it's every day, Priyanka, every day in meetings when we're together on things that you can do to stand up for each other. I'll give you an example. I was in a meeting a few weeks ago where a colleague's name was being mispronounced and I knew it was being mispronounced. We were meeting with um, some other individuals. And when there was a natural pause, I said, I want to go back to Priyanka, Priyanka, are, are we saying your name correctly? Is it Priyanku or is it Priyanka? And is it Bianca? Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, I've gotten Mita, Mita, Rita, Pita. I've gotten the whole combination, right? But in that moment, that was really important because somebody, it's role modeling too, right? And I think there are moments in my career and I've evolved as a leader where I might not have been comfortable to do that in the moment. I might have called the leader afterwards to say, hey, I, I don't think you were doing this intentionally, but it's pronounced Priyanka. And in that moment, I decided I wanted to, I felt comfortable to do it. And I did it in a way where she she was, a pre, she said, yes, that's how you, you know, pronounce my name. And so I think there's so many things you can do. You can also be in a meeting where there's an idea that's been surfaced and Priyanka's not in the room. And I say, oh yeah, I love that idea. And Priyanka had brought it to me two weeks ago. So making sure that our voices, our names, they're being referenced when we're not in these rooms behind closed doors. That's so important. And it goes back to also making sure that you're giving, we're giving each other credit where credit is due. And it's role modeling because after I did that, when I, and that's happened on a few occasions because my name has been mispronounced a lot. I've written about it. I've also been renamed and nicknamed. And when you do something like that and you role model, others feel empowered to do the same. And anytime I've done that, there'll always be one or two people who will message me afterwards and say, thank you for doing that in the meeting. You know, that's very true. And that's definitely a role model for, you know, a lot of us, especially the younger generation in the workforce who know that it's okay to speak up and you know, say certain things. So Mita, let me ask you this. 
as a woman, have you experienced bias in the workplace? Yes. <laughs> the simple question. Yes, yes, and yes. I think we all have. And that's unfortunate. And I think the world's changing a lot. I have two young children, five and eight, and I'm very hopeful for the world they're growing up in. And, and I am a half glass full person, as my husband will tell you. That's why I do this work. And I wrote a piece recently for Harvard Business Review uh, talking about how we have to go beyond maternity leave to create an inclusive culture for working mothers, because as you know, that's a big, big piece of who I am and what I write about. And in my career, people making decisions for me without asking me what I wanted. And one of the one of the instances I remember as a former leader, when I was very interested in a job that required travel, his response was like, oh, your kids are too young. You can't take on that role. You're, you're not going to travel that much. No, your kids are too young. And I wasn't even given an opportunity to interview for the job. And so you, we cannot make assumptions about working parents, about anyone. We have to ask them. You have no idea who the village is that's supporting a working mother or a working parent. Those aren't choices for you to make. And so, you know, we have to be careful of making career decisions or choices for people based on our own biases. Because if I had been a working father, I don't think that would have been a conversation. You know, that's very true. One of the important things that we have to do as women leaders is create this allyship with men, senior leadership. You know, there are a lot of things that we have to put together. It's not just showing up to work. It's nurturing these relationships so people understand your intentions, your ambitions. What are you doing that's made you so successful in terms of allyship with men? I would say that, you know, as I've looked in my career for sponsors and Listen, I am over-mentored and under-sponsored. I have a lot of mentors, but the difference is a sponsor is somebody in the organization who are two to, who's two to three levels above you. They will use their social and political capital to help advance you in your career, get you on slates for name for jobs you didn't even know existed, get you on task force, talk about you when the doors are closed. And many of those sponsors statistically will be white men as we look at you know, especially organizations in the US. And so when I've tried to build sponsorship relationships, allyship relationships, I always think about what's the value I can bring to this individual? We all have value. We all have expertise. What's the value I can bring to this individual? Is it through the work I'm doing that's also going to enhance their work? Is it by articles and things that I'll share showing what's happening in the competitive landscape? And one of my favorite career sponsors who I'm still very close with today at Unilever uh, jokes with me that I'm the LinkedIn guru. And so helping him and others with their LinkedIn account or social platforms is a great way where I can be showing the value and worth. And so really think about that. We all have something that we can share. And so sometimes we're hesitant to build relationships, especially with senior people, because we think, oh, I'm just going to, what am I going to talk to them about? And I'm just going to show up and, and be taking from this relationship, but no, you have a lot to give as well. You know, that's very true. And once you start speaking with senior leadership, you understand that they're just human and they have the same anxieties, same, you know, uncertainties and feeling of fear that you always have when you're handling projects. Absolutely. It's such a great point you bring up. Sometimes we think they're gods and goddesses and they're just human like us. They have the same fears. They have the same passions. They also have the same curiosity and they also want people who are going to help them as well. 
So once I started to flip that and thought, okay, they're not actually sitting up there. They're just like me. Uh, it, it, it changes the paradigm. And then you can start to build connections much more easily. That's an excellent point. And a quick reminder to our listeners, Mita is giving a free mentoring session to one lucky live listener or a listener who watches this on replay. So feel free to drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from. If you have any question or a takeaway, feel free to drop it in the chat option as well. Now, as a working mother, Mita, you have two young kids. You can take it in two ways, right? One, you can feel that, oh, you have to be the perfect mom, the perfect um, you know, spouse, the perfect employee. At the other side, you can have fun playing all these different roles. So how do you manage the work-life integration as a working mother? Yeah, that's a great question. You caught me on a day where I'm surviving, not thriving. We joked we're in, I'm in Jersey City, New Jersey, and what is it, 16 feet is 16 inches? No. no. Um, and both kids home and my husband and I both love our careers and, and both very dedicated to work and to our family. If for me, I have a life partner who also is very passionate about his work. He's also very passionate about my work. So that is something that we've balanced over the years. And you know, I, I always share to share with people, I fall into the old cultural stereotypes. I should be cooking and cleaning and doing all of this. And no, I mean, I need to be asking for help as well. Like we're both raising our, our children together. And so that's been something I've been more intentional about too. And he's been more intentional about as we've been um, growing in our journey as a family. Uh, it's not easy. It, but it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And I think even as I joined Carta, I'm 90 days into a new job having left Unilever. Congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. Both companies have been so supportive of my journey as a working mother. And it's not something I'm going to hide. And it's something I'm very open about when I interview. Now, probably earlier on in my career, I wasn't because I had reservations or I was nervous or scared. But I think that those are, you know, think about who your family is, who can support you in your ambitions for your career and also your home life. Think about the employer, right? Like, you know, you're in the driver's seat with your career. I, I always say I've learned this the hard way, but we want to be places where we're celebrated and not tolerated. And so if somebody is not going to be receptive of me being a working mother and that being a mother is the most important thing, in my life, along with being a great wife and a sister and a daughter, then you can choose to work elsewhere. So those are the questions that we have to be asking ourselves. I love the way we, you're very straightforward in terms of your intentions. And this has come through a lot of practice and growth, right? What advice would you have for our listeners, as with, you know, especially like young working mothers like me, you know, on how do you get into that journey with a lot of resilience and grit without self-doubting yourself? Do you have any tips there? What's that saying? Fake it till you make it. <laughs> that still works. Yeah, still. But I mean, I think I think the thing Priyanka, I learned in my life over my career, and I'm still learning, is I have worked for a lot of white, extroverted men, many of whom have had partners who are staying at home and raising families and or are doing it um, or are not don't have a family presently, right? And so the moment that I stopped trying to be them and focused on being the best version of me, that's when I felt like I felt free and I felt like I could do anything because I was just focused on being me. I'm not a white male, <laughs> white man, and I'm not very extroverted. I mean, I can be, but I'm more on the, um, it's an ambivert 
is the new term, introvert mm -hmm. versus extrovert, like right in the middle. But I think we have to stop chasing things that aren't authentic to us and start to embrace what really matters to us and, and who we want to be. And that's what I would really encourage people to do. You know, it takes a lot of practice, but it's good to hear from you as somebody who's been doing it successfully. Like, what can we learn from each other? And the other great point is you need a village, uh, you know, yes. to a successful life, to, to be an amazing mom. And asking for help is something we, as part of the Asian stereotypes, fail to ask as much as we should be going forward. It's hard. And I think also at, at home and at work, so we talked about it at home, I think honestly, too, this is a really difficult time. I mean, we have the privilege for, to be talking from home. We have many frontline workers in this country and around the world who are keeping our economy going and um, a special thanks to them. But for many of us also, our villages have been ripped out from under us whether that's um, the, the teachers, the community, the neighbors, the family. And that's really hard right now on parents. And so to be kind to yourself, and like I say, take it, I take it day by day. I just serve my kids lunch before <laughs> joining the conversation. And then once we finish our conversation, I'll be focused on the afternoon, what I have to get done for work. But you just have to be kind to yourself. You know, that's very true. That self-care notion that you come first, the oxygen mask needs to go to you first. That's something that we have to reiterate constantly at the back of our minds. Absolutely. And I'm not the best at it. We're all working on it. But every day, it's like, be kind to yourself. That's very true. I'm interested to know more about your productivity secrets. Like, what do you do in terms of compartmentalizing the different facets of your life and managing all of this on a timely fashion? Well, when it comes to my kids, especially getting them ready for school, whether it's virtual school or in person, which, you know, many of us are sort of, it's like up and down, whether they're in school or they're at home, I do a lot of the things in the evening when they're in bed. So even getting their clothes ready, getting the socks and shoes out, like just so things are very easy in the morning, because uh, a five-year-old who doesn't want to get dressed, as many of you can relate to, is, is not fun in the morning when you're all trying to um, go about the day. So I think trying to organize things in whatever way I can is what I focus on, whether that's like lunches or snacks and things like that. And, you know, I love to write a lot. And I've been really focused on that in the last year. And people ask me, how do you have a job with impact? And how do you raise a family? And how do you write so much? And here's a secret. I stopped drinking. I don't binge Netflix anymore. <laughs> And I'm actually not seeing a lot of people like many of us are other than virtual chat. So I think also my socializing time has gone down. And so just be intentional about the things you want to do. I write now for 30 minutes every night. Some of it's good. Some of it's not. But part of it's like half discipline. Right. Big part of writing is discipline and you get better at it over time. And I've been really I've been focused on that for years, but especially in the last year with this pandemic, thinking about what's the impact I want to leave I have a lot of things I want to share. So what's what's stopping me from doing it? And it's just us most of the times. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that consistency is key in terms of, you know, whatever you choose to set your eyes on, be it writing, journaling, or doing things for yourself. Absolutely. It's just the consistency that matters a lot. Yes. Yes, it is. And I found, and I think anything you do in life, when you're consistent about it, you just see, you reap the benefits over time. And you actually get better at it over time. And for me, I really enjoy writing. That's that's therapy for me. I have friends who are like Martha Stewart, 
right? <laughs> They're doing or orchestrating drive-by birthday parties and outdoor events or, you know, baking cookies from scratch and, and doing hikes with their kids. And that's not me. I like to read and write with them and color. So I think also embrace whatever you're good at. And, you know, this it's, it's hard during a pandemic because we're all on Instagram, we're all on these social channels and like comparing ourselves to what others are doing. Um, and I always say behind um, the pictures on Instagram of the drive-by birthday parties and the best banana bread you ever baked, you actually don't know what's going on in people's homes and how much pain and suffering is going on behind the camera because we're all you know, going through our, our own pandemic journey of grief and loss right now. You know, you bring up a very valid point because people get carried away by these happy family stories, you know, the, being the perfect mom, baking and cooking for your kids or whatever that intention is. But everybody has a behind the scenes story that nobody gets access to. Absolutely. And I think back to your point on, on the whole discussion we're having around finding your voice, there's so much power when we share the stories of grit and resilience and we share the things that we're struggling with, the things that aren't like, happy and shiny and oh had a wonderful day like it's not always like that and so uh, as you mentioned earlier I have been writing a lot in particular on my journey uh, I always say it's like journaling about uh, being a parent in the pandemic and working mother has been kind to publish a lot of my pieces but it's not always the the happy moments we have to hear about all the moments very true and that brings the authentic voice behind meter so to our listeners, Mita is one of the LinkedIn top voices for 2020, and she writes amazing, uh, you know, she has amazing wisdom and nuggets of uh, insights into her personal life, be it about storytelling, be it about her own journey. So follow her on LinkedIn to get those amazing pieces of content as well. Oh, thank you very much. That's awesome, Mita. So let's talk about your role. You've had a very successful corporate career, be it at Unilever, and now you are at Carter as the head of diversity equity and impact. Tell us how exactly you're shifting the story as the inclusive leader in these corporate settings. I mean, I had a really great run at Unilever. I grew up with Lipton Suave and Vaseline. So how lucky was I that I got to then go run those brands and be a part of that company. I, I would tell you that uh, for me, leaving Unilever, I went to Carta because, and I encourage anyone listening to this to think about taking risks in your career. I could have been at Unilever for a very long time. It's a very well-known brand, large corporation, going from 150,000 to 900 people. But thinking about as a leader, how I could think about my toolkit and what are the experiences and things that I could be building on. And so going into a tech startup is very different and it's very exhilarating and there's a lot of challenges and opportunities. So thinking about your career in that way. And I think when we think about being an inclusive leader or thinking about anyone who's running DE&I, it is really about how does this, what is the work that we're doing impact the ecosystem? So it starts with workforce. We're all trying to think about how the communities we operate in, those communities are reflected in our workforce. It also goes to Priyanka to how do our brands and products and services show up in the marketplace? I don't think you can separate those things anymore. I think the next piece is about supplier diversity. If you have money, who are you choosing to spend it with and why? And who are the customers you're partnering with? And I think the last piece more and more is really around social justice. You can say that you stand for values, but are you going to stand up for them in the moments that matter? 
And we have many leaders coming out, many white leaders in particular saying Black Lives Matters, which is very important. And at the same time, if I go on your Instagram feed and I don't see any Black talent, those two things don't match. So I think really thinking about the entire 360 ecosystem and how this work can impact all of that. That's amazing. And I'm so glad you're continuing to spearhead this mission of being an inclusive champion wherever you are. So thanks for doing this for a lot of younger generation in the workforce too. Thank so let me, let me ask you this, Meter. as we talked about behind the scenes, right? How do you handle low moments, the moments where you're stressed, mm -hmm. you're anxious about what's going to happen next? What happens to Meter in those pockets of time? Well, I generally get a pint of Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey. Okay, that always <laughs> helps, right? Or I love cake. I love any type of sheet cake, like a good Costco sheet cake or Milk Bar has an amazing cake. Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, I think with low moments, I allow myself the 24 hours to wallow and feel sorry for myself. And then you move on. I also think we, we're really hard on ourselves. The things that we think are low moments, like, oh my God, I just bombed this meeting. The CEO asked me this question and I totally butchered the response. I'm going to get fired or, oh my God, my, my colleagues heard that. People are not remembering the details like you are. Like I always like, you know, rewind things in my head and I'm like, oh, if I could just go back and do this, it's like, move on, learn from it and move on because you're the only one holding on to it. Nobody else is. That's true. Earlier, we are sometimes our biggest obstacle. So that is what I've really tried to let myself sort of wallow in it for a day and move on. What are we going to learn from it? That's awesome. And that's something that each one of us has to do in an intentional manner, moving on. Easier said than done, right? Very true. But, I, but I'm getting better at it every we day. We all are. We right. all are. We have a fun rapid fire round for you. Okay. Um, are you ready for it? Well, yeah. Let me see. I guess I, I am. <laughs> So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when sure. I say the following, role model. Mom and dad. How does happiness, what does happiness mean to you? Um, family, friends, the impact I want to make in the world. I think something I'm really focused on is how can I be grateful for what I have? Focusing, you can't find gratitude if you're not grateful for what you have. Very true, especially in these challenging times. How do you define success? being the best version of me and helping others to also be the best version of themselves and how they show up. What is one fun thing about Meta that's exclusive to our podcast listeners? Mm. The last book I read was Peppa Big and uh, Harry Potter Sorcerer's Stone. I actually have stopped reading books. I only read short form now. So please don't ask me what the last book I read was. I simply don't have time for it. I always find that a funny question. Uh, what is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it? Uh, Bengali is the first language I learned. Um, mishti, meaning sweet. That's amazing. And you're such a sweet person, I should say, in this conversation that we've had. But at the same time, I see you as an amazing woman who has the grit, the perseverance, and the resilience to stand up, not just for herself, but for a lot of other people of color to create a very inclusive work environment. So thank you, Mita. Such an amazing pleasure to meet you. Do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? Oh, thank you, Priyanka, for having me. I'm so happy to support 
Curry Up Startup Podcast. I know you're coming up soon on your 100th episode. So I'm excited to be on this journey with you. And thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you so much, Meeta. And uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you as well because I've admired you through all the amazing stories that you've shared with the world. And you know, the best part about you, Meeta, is you're authentic. You are who you are. And I think that really brings a lot of admiration for people. Well, thank you so much. And I hope anyone listening, if you can take anything away, start finding your voice today and start telling a part of your story. There's so many people who will benefit from hearing it. That's very true. So the three key takeaways on this amazing episode with Meeta Malik, inclusive champion on our 93rd episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast. One, speak up, especially when there's this pocket of time when nobody's speaking up. That's your moment to speak up. And two, create a network of sponsors who would speak up for you when you're not in that room either. And three, take time for yourself and don't have the mom guilt or any kind of self-doubt creep into it because you matter the most. And that's how you can create that ripple effect of happiness for people around you. So those are my takeaways from this amazing episode, Meeta. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. And I really appreciate you taking time outside of your schedule to help us get a deeper insight into your life. Thank you again for having me. Awesome. And to our listeners, do follow Meeta Malik on LinkedIn. She has such amazing insights into her life, be it about brands, be it about storytelling, be it about finding your authentic voice. So do follow her for some amazing content. And we will meet you next week. We have an amazing lineup coming up soon as well. This is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Career Startup Leadership Podcast. But before then, the free mentoring session is up for grabs. So if you're going to watch this on replay, feel free to drop in a quick comment or a takeaway, and we'll pick up one lucky listener. And don't forget to subscribe to us by following me, Priyanka Komla, and a Career Startup Leadership Podcast page, wherever you're listening or watching this podcast from. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you.